everybody. Ultimate DJs here bringing you the next segment. Uh, yesterday, we uploaded a segment, and uh, it was only a part because the conversation just ran so daggone long. We had a lot of fun in the community, and uh, the, con- the uh, conversation continued. But daggone it if it wasn't just a little bit too long. So we decided to break it up, and now we gladly introduce to you the next segment in our Talking in Cars community Q&A here related to TNG Arc 3, and not really, just the entire state of Star Trek Fleet Command general gameplay as a whole. Lots of great conversation. So I know without a shadow of a doubt, you're going to enjoy this next segment right here. Hope you guys enjoy, and we'll catch you on the next one after this one. Enjoy the listen. You guys have been troops, though. Surprised a lot of you are still here. I still got a two-and-a-half-hour drive back to the house, though. Oh. Steven's Aaron. What are you doing? Isn't it it like midnight for you guys, both of you? It's 6 a.m. It's midday for me. Eight. Oh, okay, 12 p.m. And it's 6 a.m.? Yeah, Wait, 6 a.m.? So wait, so you're 20... You're 22 hours ahead? Is no, it I'm, Thursday? I, is it Monday for you? Hours ahead, not twenty-two hours ahead. Six. So if you're actually, oh yeah, 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 yeah. East Coast, I'm not even twelve. I must be like nine and a half or ten and a half ahead. Ten, ten hours. Yeah, ten and a half hours. Yeah, depends on daylight savings. Half I was gonna day, say, so wait, you're you're in one of the time zones that's a half hour ahead. Basically, we don't have a change in time. You guys change your time. Yeah, India but we change have daylight savings. Yeah, but we change an hour. So right now it's six nine. It's six fourteen a.m. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a half. I'm I'm ten and a half hours now. And well, no, that's just ten hours flat. Nine and a half hours. Yeah. No, it's just ten. Ten because it, it's it's eight fourteen p.m. for me. So it's you're ten hours ahead. For me. You just got oh five forty five. So you yeah. you are you are you're in a time zone that's a half hour off. That's weird. Exactly. It's either nine and a half hours or ten and a half hours, depending on daylight savings. That's weird. You just gotta get daylight savings like all the cool kids. You know, uh, wasn't the U.S. talking about getting rid of daylight savings time? I don't know whatever happened with that conversation. I know right when the time changed, they were talking about getting By rid of it. You know, Actually, I, I went to America for college, and I, I go there, and suddenly halfway through the year, these people tell me the time has changed. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you people talking about? <laughs> I can because only I imagine. That. That's so funny. That's crazy. <laughs> That's a hilarious story. I bet that would have confused the hell out of you, man. That's so shocked. funny. I was like, what is going on? What are you people talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. That's the highlight of the podcast right there. <laughs> Be ready. He's like, what the hell is this time change? What are y'all talking about? Yeah. Um, people in college are like, spring forward, fall back, and be ready. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. Why am I the only person sitting in class right now? What the hell's going on? Oh, God. That's funny. Well, welcome to weird American time management, buddy. Yeah, we, we, we have a little island off, off the coast that's 45 minutes ahead of us. Oh, okay. So at the moment on that little island, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. Why? Why forty-five minutes? So what? The so whole I island? Guess, I, guess I guess it just makes it a bit different. <laughs> so yeah. the whole, so the whole island, instead of being two different time zones on the same island, they're just like, I want to split it. We'll do thirty minutes all the time. Yeah. Oh <laughs> God. So it could be worse. Yeah, I guess it could in be India, worse. The problem, the problem was that they had two time zones, and it was getting confusing. 
So they decided to unify it and just bring everybody half an hour across. You know what? In a half yeah. hour, I could see that. But but Steven Zaren says it's 45 minutes. Like, that's even worse. Yeah, there, 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 there is no 45 minutes. It's either half no, hour. No, 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 not, not for V, really. For, no, no, not for V, really, but for, for, us, for yeah. one of our islands off the, off the coast of New Zealand. Oh, it's uh, 45 minutes. You actually have 45 minutes? Oh my 45 God. minutes? Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> oh, God, 45 well, minutes. But with daylight savings, I think it's more like, is it kind of help match the amount of sunlight you get in, like, the day? Because it's like... I, so the original, I, if I'm not mistaken, we've had this conversation once before. I think I'm right on this. The original reason was actually for agricultural farmers so that they had the same amount of daylight. Yeah, you're right. Same amount of work uh, and could, you know, farm and do all that stuff the same amount of time. Um, yeah. I, I think that was the original thought. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's why they've kept it because it's actually quite an, an ancient I don't want to say ancient, but, but I mean, but it's without been around it, for a long time. But without it, wouldn't it be like, it's pitch dark outside at 5 p.m. Without it, it'd be like pitch dark at 4 p.m. Well, yeah. I mean, it kind of, it's already that bad anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know in the fall, after, even after we fall back, like, I'm driving home at, at 5.30, 6 o'clock, and it's dark out. You know, so. In Germany, it's for power savings. Europe. Does for or did it for power savings, but now they want to stop it too. Well, that actually that actually makes sense in a contemporary standpoint. Is is savings on electricity? I can get that. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Well, maybe I would. I don't know how it should be done. Like, do it where instead of like savings, they just have different winter time hours. It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's not do daylight savings, but instead we're gonna make everybody work from four a.m. to four p.m. instead. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. But they stop it here too. They make a decision, and somewhere in I don't know, two thousand twenty-three or twenty-two, somewhere they stop it. Oh, so stop. they did. So they did actually decide to do that in Germany. Yeah, no, the Euro, uh, the European Union, the whole European uh-huh. Union, make decision. They say they want to start, uh, they like to stop it, but now they're talking about uh, first uh, which time we use or, or which we stop. Do we stop winter time or do we stop summer time? So this is the decision now. And when this is done, then European or Europe will stop it. So here's my opinion on the matter, because I know this is totally related to Star Trek Fleet Command and belongs in our podcast. I believe that I'd rather have more sunlight in the summer. I think uh, I, I think I'd rather have more sunlight in the summertime because that's longer pool days and that's longer cornhole and it's lo- it's longer grill outs and cookouts. You, you seem to understand. You have to understand that there's only so much sunlight. It's changing because there's too much darkness. That's why it's changing. Yeah. Well, that's my point. So if I wanna if I want to choose the time. I would choose the time that gives me more sunlight in the summertime. Yeah, but then in, in the winter. the day in the dark? In the other half? Yeah. In Germany, it's the same. Over the winter time, we barely have about like five hours of sunlight. So over the winter, five to six hours. So if wow. you even change this, then and you wake up later then because you don't change the time in the winter time, then you basically just have like 
yeah, you are awake like two hours in the winter time by daylight. So the rest of the 22 hours, you living in the freaky darkness. Wow. So, yep. I didn't know it was that bad. I yep. didn't know like it was it that is. lopsided. That's crazy. Even See, when you come to, when you go to Finland, a... I had I had a couple <clears throat> of jobs like up north in Finland. Um, there's basically there's a half year it's dark and a half year it's day. I was gonna say so, I think isn't Alaska very similar to that that they go yeah. like there's like a whole month of like solid sunlight or two months of solid sunlight like they don't even it doesn't even get dark. Yeah, it's a couple of of thousand kilometer up north Germany. There you have this already. So if you um, like if you go south more like like Spain, and um, then it's it get better. But up north in, in Germany, you have just over winter time six hours daylight. So if you change doesn't uh, if you do not change the time, if you keep it at summertime only, then you're so, fucked. In the, so I was gonna say the winter time, you only have like three or four hours of sunlight. Yeah, Argu- arguably when the winter time energy costs are already higher, then they're going to be even higher because of electricity. Yeah. Exactly. Oh man, God, that sucks. And now they have to make the decision because Spain is okay. For example, Spain is, is they have like twenty hours sunlight. So and... so let me so then then is it safe to say that maybe the people that argued about this two or three hundred years ago actually got it right and we should just leave well enough alone? <laughs> <laughs> we should probably just leave it alone then. <laughs> exactly. Why? Why try to re-debate this after two hundred years or however long? How long has daylight savings been around? It's been a while. Uh, since nineteen oh eight. So, oh, only a hundred years? Thought it would have been longer than that. But nonetheless, they probably had these exact same conversations and they're like, "Hey, how about we just shift the hours by one hour in the winter time so we have more daylight?" <laughs> and now we're like, "Let's undo it, but we still have a problem. So let's put it back." It was uh, first proposed by Benjamin Franklin to save candles. You know, he's a pretty damn smart guy, that Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> he kind of marks use of candles. Yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of a smart cookie. We should probably not try to undo that. Yeah. Well, it's, you, uh, how, see, how many people me, are using candles for, for light now? <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, it, it, it's not, it's just the shift of a commodity. At that time, it was candles. Now it's going to be electricity. And electricity, I mean, crazy enough, we see it, we see it, we've seen it out west, like in California. There are energy shortages sometimes. There's not enough electricity to go around. So, you know, to put more demands on a finite energy source uh, could could be catastrophic. I, I do see that point. I did not know that Germany only had four hours of sunlight in the winter as it was. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't do the four, but like five, six that would that would depress me. I couldn't I couldn't be involved in that. It is it is cold, it is wet, it is snow, and it's freaking dark. So you wake up <laughs> at the dark, you go work at the dark, and you come back to your house at the dark and it's dark always. That, so that basically I, while you're working yeah. you have four hours or, or five hours light, but you have to work at this time and then the rest is just freaking dark. Yeah, that'd be a little demoralizing. I don't think I could I don't think I would thrive in that environment. I like the sunlight. Yep. One of the, one of the big reasons I bought the house that I bought is because it has so many windows. There's windows everywhere. I like natural light. That's why I like sitting on my porch. I like it. 
Like even right now, it's still daylight. It's 8:30. It's still daylight for me. The sun is setting, but I mean, it's still plenty of light outside. My headlights are not on on my car. If that is any indication. I went a little crazy on my auction right now. <laughs> yeah, I see that. I pushed to like eight, nine, eight and a half million on my Be auction. Be ready, going cray cray. All right, let's see. Let me get back into the chat. Do we have any other questions? I do like this question. Clueless one says, "What do we know about future ISO resin plans?" You know, I got to be honest with you. It doesn't make sense for them to introduce a whole new currency for just four researches. I fully expect to see more. There's a lot they can do with it. I, I don't know. They haven't shared anything with us about that, but there's a lot they can do with it. Like decreasing ISO refinery costs. <laughs> yeah, more cargo increases. Protected cargo. Protected cargo for the Meridian. Scalyback wants to know how my PvP, PV, uh, PvE event ended. Uh, like I said, I did very well. I finished in third place, and I didn't even really put a lot of effort in it in the second day. As a matter of fact, I got tipped off. I was very grateful. Uh, a player uh, on my server sent me a message. He said, you're getting ready to get bumped out of the top three. And this was at like 1130, 30 minutes before reset. So I logged in, and I played for about 15, 20 minutes to hang on to third place. And uh, that's where I finished. But I did the bulk. I did the bulk of my. I did the bulk of my play. Um, I guess Tuesday night. I put up like eight hundred or nine hundred thousand points Tuesday night. Which event was this? The rescue the crew solo leaderboard. I think I did nine million or eight. No, no, I did seven million. Sorry, seven billion. Sorry, seven. What seven billion? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my gosh, look at Scalyback. He won. He won. Scalyback, congratulations, man. Now, if I have, to, can I ask how late you stayed up to do that? Did you stay up till two o'clock? Or did you go to sleep? Did you build enough of a bank and then go to sleep and you hung on to it? That's awesome, man. Congratulations, Scalyback. First ever solo leaderboard win. Good for you, man. And he slept. He built up a bank. You know what? I hope. I hope that you do this more. I hope that you just laid down an ass whooping on everybody and, uh, and then went to sleep and then woke up and was pleasantly surprised. Because now it's, I will tell you, that margin's not huge. You won by a margin of only 17 million. Just to give you some perspective, that would have only been two PvP kills for me. I was averaging, I was averaging 12 million points per kill. That would have been one PvE kill for me, dude. I was yeah. doing 19 million for the PvE kill. Yeah, that's that was a very small margin. <laughs> I don't know what ops that is. My my ops thirty nine was in the billions. My yeah. ops forty one first place finished at three billion. At ops, I 41. finished first at seven billion. I did first at three billion, but only PVE. Yeah, only. I mean, I did a couple of PVP, but because uh, somebody wanted to just hit each other, but I mostly did PVE. Yeah. Uh, mine was entirely PvP. I, I, I say entirely. I did probably kill a couple of hostiles when I would get real low hull. I wasn't going to stick around and give my competition any easy points. So uh, I would, like, if I got down to, like, you know, 5, 10, 15% hull, then I would go ahead and finish it on a hostile. Two points with PvE, but very, very little in comparison. And I finished, I think, with 1.7 or 1.5 billion total. And I was in third place. Now our first place winner, he did. He broke. He breached three billion. He had north of three billion. 
Yeah, there were a lot of uh, Leslie's in my the top of my board. You know, again, that was not something I saw a great deal of, and I'm and I'm I'm glad for that. I don't know if my server just doesn't know, or if they just don't like it, or if they don't believe in it. But I, I anybody that I killed, I did not kill a single Leslie crew. I I, uh, I did one test with it with our with enterprises, and we got 138 million. No, wow. I did one test. I did one test with uh, someone in my uh, what do you call server, and I basically did enterprise was enterprise. Leslie crew was Leslie. I got ninety one million, and the other guy got something like uh, eighty five. So it actually not worth it. I actually got more PVE. I got about hundred and fifty, hundred and twenty million PVE, and yeah. okay, per kill more time, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to think if you if you go with two evenly matched enterprises, both using Leslie, they just keep recharging their hull and you keep taking hull and you keep damaging hull and, and, and for 100 rounds. I mean, if you've got two evenly matched enterprises, that'll cap out at 100 rounds and you still won't die. Yeah, I mean, you'll, no, no, you'll no, die he, at he the died. end. Yeah, he well, died. you'll die. I was gonna say you'll die at the end because all the hull disappears. But you got to think 100 rounds of hull regen. And you're getting those whole points, you know. So I mean, it's it's significant. significant. But yeah, I only got I got ninety one million. But uh, my uh, all would give me like hundred, hundred and ten, sometimes. Well, this, the solution to all this is very clear, and that they just need to add for all PvP events. They just need to have using Leslie as captain as negative times negative one points, and then it's gone. Well, actually, so again, talking about the tech that they have and don't have. The, the officer ability, I don't think, uh, I mean, I, obviously, I know you can do metrics based on the officers you use, but I think uh, in a report that Ripper had submitted, he had just uh, suggested that we turn it off for PvP, which, I mean, and again, Leslie serves no purpose in PvP unless the other person is also running Leslie for the most part, you know, so. The important thing is, the problem is the event. The not the problem is not Leslie. Don't touch Leslie. Just touch the event, because <laughs> they'll be like, "Oh, we'll just we just we just nerf Nestle, pro, uh, Leslie. Problem fixed." And everyone will be like, "Uh oh." <laughs> Scalyback. The the problem with that is not everybody will use him, or not everybody has him because Leslie is a paid officer. He's never been available for free. So uh, if somebody has a Leslie, then it is just, and, and they use it, it's just handing those, those people the event. You know, there's no, there's no way to. There's no, I mean, like, I, I, if I did what I did, like, a 12 times, I get, like, 1.3 billion points. Yeah. In, in like, an hour. And, and like I said, you know, I, I don't know if my server just doesn't know or if they just don't like it, but I, I'm telling you, in my bracket, I did not kill a single player, not a single enterprise that was using enterprise or using Leslie. Now I do think, I do think that at one point I think I caught a couple of players trade killing, uh, trade killing. But I mean, I would just disrupt that. You know what I'm saying? But even then, when I looked at their crews, they weren't using Leslie, so I, they weren't using Vemet. They they weren't. You know what I'm saying? Like they weren't doing anything that was indicative of of trade killing. They were just you know beating up on each other, you know, but they, but you knew that they were probably organizing it because they were, they were right at the system's edge and they would pop in at, at the same spot together every time, 
you know, so. It's tough with those because it's like, at one hand, that like makes it harder. But on the other hand, it's also hard as it is where it's like no one's in this system. How do I get around to PvPing? Might as well just message someone I know so he can trade the kills. Yeah. Like if it was like the system was always full of PvP ships, like trading wouldn't need to happen. Well, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, I I uh, know I've said this before. I've always considered myself relatively lucky because at least in my and I say my generation of players. And what I mean by that is I mean the people that I've played with for two and a half, almost three years now, and we have kind of always stuck around the same ops levels. And that would be like say Captain Bull. That would be um, uh, Burnin. That would be. Uh, a couple, a couple of guys, just that I've, I've always known. They and we've always kind of stuck around the same ops level, not necessarily on purpose. Just we've all shared similar goals and progression. But we, our PvP system was busy. It really was. Any time I went, there were ships. Um, there was one exception. One night, I think. Um, I'm guessing it must have been Wednesday night. Wednesday night, I think I'd message Big Country, and I was like, "There's nobody here," you know. Um, and and actually, somebody did fly in. This is why I think they were kill trading because I flew in, I killed them a couple of times, then they stopped coming. Both of the players stopped coming. So, uh, and then for like 20, 30 minutes, nobody showed up. But for the most part, most of the rest of the time, the system was busy. There was probably always at least at least five, six ships in there. And at certain times, there were ten and twelve ships in there. So there were there were a fair number of people PvPing in my bracket. It was it was good. It was nice. And of course, and and of course, some of those players um, are a little bit more used to traditional PvPing, and they don't believe in kill trading, and they just want to try out crews, and they do want to try to beat you. So you know, there was not a lot of uh, not a lot of running. There was not a lot of warping out. There was not a lot of avoiding a battle, even if you knew you were going to lose. Like people just smash ships, you know, and uh, and it was good. So, but that's the way mine have always been for the most part. You know, my PvP events have always been have always been good. I've not had the I've not had to deal with the issue of Leslie a whole lot on my server. Well, we didn't use him. That's good. Yeah, we had more fun doing um, mini territory capture uh, for the system. Boaz says, as a level 38, I'm sick of having the 40s in the same PvP zone. You know, that is one piece that we could that we could send up for feedback, is that each bracket should have their own PvP zone. But I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I well, I did kill a fair number of, of 36 through 39. I did. Um, but they got points, too. And, and I wasn't, like, for example, you know how I told you that I would have for example, I would have died on a hostile, so I wouldn't give people points in my bracket. But if there was a 38 in my system, I would go suicide off his ship. You know what I'm saying? Now, he wouldn't have gotten a ton of points. I only had 5%, 10% hull. But he still would have gotten some. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and so, yeah, if there was somebody in there that was not in my bracket, I didn't mind for them to finish me off. Yeah, suiciding on a hostile to deny some points, it never sits right with me. I don't like it either. I know why they do it. I know why they do it, and even I have done it. If I'm, if I, but now let me tell you this: if even if that ship is bigger than me, even if I feel like I might lose, if it's a full hull and I have a full hull, I'll still go head to head with that with that person. But now, if if I'm down to ten percent hull, 
and he's coming at me with full hole, and he's in my bracket, yeah, I'm not going to give him those points if I'm competing with him. Uh, but if I can find a 36 or a 38 in my system, I would have given them the points. But I didn't want to just give free points to somebody, you know. Um, but now, what I do hate, and, and maybe this is a little hypocritical, what I do hate is if somebody comes in and they know they're going to lose, you know, they're, let's say their auger is only 2 million points, and then they warp out, you know. And again, I guess I know it's a little hypocritical, but, you know, I, I don't like if that. They, if, <laughs> oh, if they're full health or if they're about to die? No, no, they might come in and be full, full health, you know, but if they see me coming, they'll warp away from me, which is a problem. I know that the upper 40s level players have talked about this before, like, like even uh, Bubba, Bubba Joe had pointed it out. He's like, listen, when I fly into the system, nobody comes. Like, for me, it's always PvE because nobody will fight me, you know? So I, I get that, you know, and in my bracket, I was definitely a heavyweight. I probably wasn't the number one player, uh, but I'm a heavyweight, and so there are a lot of players that would avoid me, and that's frustrating because I'm also flying the auger, so I can't catch people. <laughs> so I, if, they don't cut, if they don't let me get them, I can't get them. You just see, like, an angry DJ, get back here! Oh, buddy, I was chasing some people all across the system. And then I would try to, I would try to lure them in because I was using two ships. So I would try to try to vector them off and try to attack them with my Enterprise and try to vector them back off to my auger. But again, the auger just so damn slow. <clears throat> DJ Gurr says, what points? If you're basically dead, they barely get any points. But it's still better than a hostile. Like, if I'm at 10% hull, you know, they're still getting those PvP bonus points. And they're probably not taking hardly any damage because I'm, I'm dead, you know. So it's still better than a hostile. It's not giving them a ton of points, but it's also not giving my competition any points. So, I mean, at least it gives them a few. So what I would do instead is, like, I would just, like, constantly try to reach as many th level 31 hostiles as possible before they can catch me. See, no, I, I, I don't have the patience to hit the 31s because the 31s don't do any damage at all. I would hit the 35s until, uh, until I would die. I um, meant with if you're very low health. <laughs> yeah, I'd still hit a 35 because I could even if I had 10 percent hull, I could still take out three or four of them. You know, but I, again, it depends on who came in. Listen, if I'm at 20 percent health and I see a three million enterprise come in and it's not using char, I'll go for that. I'll give it a try. You know what I'm saying? Because I bet I'm going to get more points than they will. You know, it, it really depended on my target. If I felt like I could score points, you know, if I look at this enterprise that comes in, it's two and a half million power, but it's full health and I'm at 20 percent uh, and they're using Marcus, you know, for example, I know that I'm going to get more points than I'm going to give them. So I'll still go ahead and try that. But but again, it comes down to my point potential. You know, for example, I know that. A one million power enterprise is going to give me roughly six, or uh, not a one million, a two million power enterprise is going to give me around six to seven million points. If I've got, you know, 300,000 or 400,000 health left, I know that I'm still going to get more points than them, then I'll go ahead and, and try to engage in that kill. But if Burden shows up in his 4.8 million enterprise and he's got Char, I know I ain't going to get no points off that. So I'm not going to give him the points because I'm, I'm not going to get any points. If I can get more points than I can give, then I'll do it. But and you come back here before I break my ship off of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust me. A lot of people ran. A lot of people ran. And I don't blame them. I mean, 
I don't like it, but I don't blame them. I mean, that's that's how they play. They didn't want to give me the points, and I don't blame them. Maybe they had an alliance mate that was trying to compete with me, and they didn't want to give me points to disadvantage their teammate. I actually had one person message me and say, hey, listen, normally I wouldn't care to fight you. He's like, but, you know, obviously, if you look at the leaderboard, I got a teammate on your tail. I don't want to give you points because it'll hurt him. I, that's respectable. I, you know, I get that. But the other hand, people are just like, I, I want to do the PvP event, but I don't like dying. And they, and they recall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, there was some of that. And I did get a couple of messages, too, uh, that I'm just here for the PvE. Please leave me alone. Well, no, sorry, you're going to give me points. You know, if I, I can catch admit, I scanned them, and if I did see a PvE crew, I wouldn't touch them as long really? as the PvP crew in the system. Oh, no. No, those were those were my favorites because they wouldn't take any hull points. <laughs> those were my favorites because those were the best point getters because the ship was going to give me all the same points as if they had a PvP crew, but I wasn't going to take any damage. For me, it was bonus points. So my you, favorite. And you're curious as to why people were avoiding you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. They they were avoiding me. That's fine. I I... I just, obviously, if I'm wanting to kill someone, I want to go and try to kill them. So it frustrates me when I can't catch them. But, no, I totally get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, my favorite targets, no lie, my favorite targets were jellyfishes with Pike Moreau and Chen. Because, man, they give points. They give huge points. And they don't, they don't take no, you know, I take no I damn. I lying if I said I did not partake in hostile crew jellyfishes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, those are massive points. I mean. If you can get a decently tiered jellyfish, you know, let's say it's a five or six million jellyfish. I mean, dude, that's 20, 24 million points right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was big points. Those were, those were my bonus points when they'd show up. But, um, but even the jellyfish, you know, the auger yeah, well, is the same speed. The jelly. Yeah, that's right. Good to catch. <laughs> well, they, unless you get to jump on them, unless you yeah. get to jump on them, you're not going to catch them because of the same speed. So yeah. you've got to you got to literally be on top of them because their impulse is the same as the auger. So if they even get a, a half a second jump on you, you're never going to catch them. Infinitely, you'll never catch them. So uh, you gotta you gotta be right on top of them. Yeah, I love that sight. The auger chasing the jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hilarious to watch because you're never going to make any progress, and it's never gonna and you and they're never going to lose you. It's the same. It's it's the exact same. How fundamental PvPing would change if they just added one uh, extra one uh, minus one or something to the impulse speeds across the ships, so that the other so that one had a clear advantage. <laughs> you know, uh, think about this. Um, and actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because here a couple of months ago, Snake Eyes were having a conversation. You remember when they talked about consumable buffs uh in the roadmap and they said that those yeah, were coming that's exactly what i was just thinking <laughs> yeah imagine like for a pvp event consuming like a, a consumable buff for impulse speed yeah for me that would be a game changer Give it like a like a yeah. like a 15 minute burst of impulse speed <laughs> yeah oh it'd be it'd be a game changer for me yeah because then my auger could actually catch the ships imagine the best the best will be anyone that increases your loot yeah, that'll be that'll be another one. I I'm just you know, I'm kind of glad we haven't seen him yet. I'm still fearful of the whole model. Like, how are they going to source them? What are they going to cost? You know, I, things I like would, that. I would heavily heavily advise scoping on your end to say when you have kind of 
the structure of consumable buffs? Could you please run them by your NDA compliant players? So they just can make sure, is, make sure, this, is this going to be profitable with outrage yeah. or profitable with outrage? <laughs> yeah, make sure that it's not a steaming pile of dookie. So you're basically like, I can't defend this. Can you rewrite it? Because <laughs> that would be something that's like it could be very, very consumable buffs can be very great. But they can also be very terrible. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think it would depend on what those buffs are. Like, for example, there's a lot of buffs that you could introduce that are not so payer uh, centric. Like, like, for example, uh, uh, maybe even not even payer centric, but like bully centric. Like, in, which I know is not the right kind of words that we like to use here. But, but like, let's say for example, let's say let's say that you can buy a buff that for an hour or for six hours or eight hours or whatever it is. Uh, gets you an extra 100% damage in PvP. Well, during a PvP event, that's going to be great. But any other time, that's crap. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's no good. Uh, but if you offered buffs to mining speeds, loot bonuses, impulse speeds, extra ship, warp speed, says Captain Planet, um, it could be really good. DJ Gurr has the same fear I do. He said consumable buffs could honestly be something, could be something that kills the game. Uh, I agree, actually, that it could make the game so unpleasant for certain people that they leave. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I can absolutely see that. Um, if they do it right, if they're careful about the buffs that they choose, you know, um, what I'm concerned with is that we already have a forecast of what those buffs are. They're called territory services, you know, and some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are very peaceful and then others are very violent, you know, with the PVP buffs. So, um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Lockdown says though, having so many ticket events is going to kill the game. Arcs used to be free to play lockdown. That's why they still give free tickets. I, I don't think ticketed events are going to kill the game as long as they stop. As long as they don't stop giving free tickets. Yeah, I think. The, I think the current arc model. I like the current model and pace of ticketed events, where if you have two categories of ticket events, you're giving them two tickets and so forth and so on. Whereas there's always like, here's a freebie. Go well, lockdown, lockdown fairly points out that we had six ticketed events and they gave you twenty tickets. That's correct, but just like we said on a recent podcast. You also look at how busy the calendar is, okay? We used to get, like, your Battle Pass event, and then there was, like, one other event per day. That was it. The calendar is so much more full now. You're still getting your one free, but they're increasing the total number of events, which is the premium access, the payer access for extra stuff. And if you notice, now, we still have seen some direct purchase items, but I do actually feel like there's probably been a little less of the payers' components. Remember, we used to have events where buy a pack of silver trophies and that would give you extra points in an alliance milestone. You guys remember stuff like that? I mean, well, pure... There. Yeah, well, I used, I used the cow example because I, I knew it. But who buys silver trophies? I don't know of anybody that buys silver trophies. I mean, do you know of people that still buy silver trophies? I don't know if I would trust them. I don't know. I, I can't imagine anybody still buys those things. You know, I mean, they're there. I know they are, but 
if you look at the leaderboards on my server, I don't believe that anybody's running away with buying a bunch of silver trophies. Honestly, you, know? if you can afford the silver trophy pack. Ideally, at that point, you have decided to be an alliance that can complete the milestone on its own. That's true. <laughs> that is true. So, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have a big concern with the ticketed events being premium because they've also represented a replacement for the actual pay-to-win events. If they, if they do pay-to-enter on the premium stuff, which is exactly what Bubba's complaint was earlier, don't make it pay-to-enter and pay-to-participate, which was his argument, which was our argument back in March with the, with the Dumata directives and all this and that. Uh, so it is a fine line. They've got to be careful with it. But the current architecture of the free tickets and the extra premium events without pay-to-win mechanics in, like, the leaderboards and stuff, I, I actually think that that's a good model uh, that still satisfies their need for monetization. But, you know, on the other hand, Lockdown, you're right. It, it is a fine line. Like, they can very easily step over the line, and it would end up being a bad thing. So I don't disagree that they're they do need to tread carefully. Do need to tread carefully, but so far I don't think that they've overdone it. To be honest with you, I think I think it looks okay so far. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's what I was saying. This arc, if they keep this up without tweaks, like it would be satisfactory. You know, it is interesting to me. Uh, I look at Scalyback's comment, and then I hear Bubba's comment earlier. This arc, as far as customer satisfaction has flipped the scales. Uh, look at Scaly back. Loving this. Good right now. No major hiccups. And Bubba, who's traditionally satisfied, is having a hard time with the logic of this arc. It, it is very interesting. And I have had more than just Bubba PM me and say this arc is trash. I've had several people, not, not a ton, but I have had some people that are normally relatively optimistic Optimistic. You know what? Um, HUD, I'm not going to say your entire screen name because I don't know if you'd want to be identified, but I had a buddy of mine, so I say HUD just so you know who you are. Uh, he PM me. He is one of the most optimistic players I've ever met. He's a, he is very happy with a lot of things. As a matter of fact, he is one of Scope, I don't want to say a Scopely defender, but when things come out, He's usually the one that says, here's why they did it, and here's why it can be good, and here's how you have to do it. Like, he understands the deeper mechanics of things, you know? On the other hand, um, he told me, let's see, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, here's what he wrote. He said, I don't know about you. He said, this arc was absolutely terrible. We've had three 40-plus players quit this arc. He sent me that in a message. And, and... It's surprising to me. The level of satisfaction and dissatisfaction with this arc is very misplaced. Usually, you know, let's, let's be fair. Usually Scalyback is very unhappy with a lot of things, yet he's over the moon this arc. And, and Bubba Joe, who's usually at least objective about a lot of things, he's really upset with the progression of this arc. So it, it's interesting to me how the customer satisfaction has gone this arc. Blokemon says, I'm bored. Scalyback says, I'm happy. It's not just about the mining, it's about the improvements. Captain Hawk says, sorry, this arc is good for G4 players. See, that's shocking to me. This arc was actually primarily written for 30s. 
Really? When you think about it. Yeah, I'm with uh, Spock the Avenger on this one. This this arc was a summer vacation where it was kind of on the more on the boring side, but I kind of was hoping for that. <laughs> so yeah. It's like at least there's still so much to do in the game. It's just nice to not have a whole theme to accomplish on top of it. Yeah, see, Snake Eyes said the same thing. Uh, and, and I kind of said, uh, so earlier today I messaged Snake Eyes. I said, you know, I want to do, uh, well, do you have any ideas for content for the podcast? And he said, no. He said, it's been a boring arc. He said, everything is just, you know, everything is very self-explanatory and very simple. And he said, overall, it's kind of boring. I said, you know, I wouldn't have described it as boring. But, I mean, honest to God, here we are. What, the third show of this arc? And I have nothing to teach on? Like, that's, that's, a, little, that's a little ominous. You know, if there's absolutely that's, nothing that's to teach you on. That's because you pulled it before the arc. <laughs> <laughs> I did. You know what? I did burn an entire episode between the arcs on Protected Cargo. That's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, you, guys, my teaching always has, always has a, a method. It's always a method to the madness. Right? madness. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, you know, listen, the teaching. Here's what's crazy. Captain Planet is right. The new ship was done and dealt with quickly for the most part because it was very self-explanatory. It has very real benefits. They're very easily seen. The math is perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, it wasn't broke. My God, a new ship came out and it works exactly as advertised. You know, it's um, just is what it is. You know what? Captain Planet, though, points out, he's like, listen, you guys keep talking about the ship. You forget the free-to-play who don't have it yet. For us, this is even more boring because it's just mining and we actually have no new content yet. He said, we will, but not until day 20. And he's actually right. I, I didn't even actually think about that, Captain Planets. That's a very good perspective. You know, we think that it's slow and boring and we did get the ship. People who didn't get the ship are like, God, quit your bitching. We don't even have the ship yet. For us, this is just a bunch of mining. So, yeah, I get that point. Star Fox, on the other hand, says, you know what? I'm enjoying the arc. It has been a little slower. I've been able to make some great progress uh, on other things. Plus, we do have some new events coming up, so he's excited to see how those are going to iterate, too. Yeah, I would say there's enough not going wrong to just wait it out and to give the full grade. Like, yeah. Let, let, let the next week come before you say that Eric is terrible. Well, if you if you look at Super Jesse's calendar, we do see a whole slate of Riker-oriented events this week. Um, and But if you look at the descriptions, they're still familiar tasks. Okay, So the story is going to be different, and your intention is going to be different, and heck, it may even look a little different in some cases. But the mechanics are still going to be the same. Kill this hostile, spend that faction credit, Mind this ISO. Yeah. But then, but then I, I believe I see, you know, we, we, we do get quite a lot of, oh, it's so busy during the arc. We don't get much time to do all the normal things that we want to do, you know. But then they get in an arc that's a little bit lighter. And then so there's nothing to do. Well, and there's and, lots and of probes funny. you can hunt and build up on. And, to, yeah. to key in on a comment you just made, it is very interesting to say a lighter arc because this calendar is the fullest it's ever been. Yeah. Could well, so that... There's still coming up. You know, there's still, still going to have a few busy days. 
but you know, then the days that we do get a little few lighter events, which happens every arc, but then you know, those are those days when you can go and do a whole big run of Borg probes or go mine, um, hunt some ref and things like that. Well, you know, interestingly, if you look at the calendar that Jesse made, I, I, I can't stop talking about this calendar. Man, I hope he continues to make it every single arc. Like, Jesse, just, uh, just as a, as a, as a, uh, a side note, if you continue to make this every arc, I'm going to push for your calendar to be the in-game splash image. Hey, <laughs> that's what I want. Your calendar is badass, son. I'm going to push for that to be in the game. All right? Um, because that's that's really so, so good. Uh, that being said, though, take a look at Saturday. Take a look at Saturday, and then look at Monday. Like, look at tomorrow. Tomorrow, we got, like, two events or three events. Like, it's going to feel worse than today, even. And everybody today is like, there's nothing to do. Even last arc, Sundays and Saturdays were way too busy. I think Sundays were the real busy one last arc. This, this, uh, this month, it looks like Saturdays. But last month, I remember Sundays were just slam-packed. And, and then tomorrow, you know, big said between the arcs makes you appreciate how full the calendar was. I'm here to tell you tomorrow's going to be just like that. Tomorrow's faction killing. There's a lot more ups and downs now. There's not as much consistency between. Although maybe I didn't think about it being faction hunt. Maybe they're trying to keep it a little lighter when there is a faction hunt because they know it's so grindy. There's two fact. There's a faction hunt plus the event itself that's alongside it is faction hunting based. Well, at least you'll be able to do two with one set of effort. Although I'm pretty sure the Riker event is you can only kill Roms or Klingons, uh, wasn't it? Using a Romulan or Klingon ship. Using a Romulan or Klingon ship. I got you. Okay. All points for it, and then I think hopefully there's still points for not using it. That would be a heavy, heavy thing to, to justify otherwise. Well, as much as they've used any ship mechanic over the last 60 days, it would be crazy for them to remove it now. Especially after I got my wrist slapped by the community for suggesting we take it out. So, <laughs> I guess, I was like, okay, you better keep it in there, because I, I about got lynched. Well, uh, keep it in there, but have, there needs to be an increase of multiplier but that separates the two. Yeah. Although, like I said, I, you know, me, myself, and I, I'm probably going to enjoy this week, because I've got a well-developed Romulan ship, so I'm, I'm set for most of the stuff this week. I have noticed that it is interesting, though. Most events that require or, or offer an incentive for Romulan or Klingon, the only other faction, the only other segment then is incentive for using Fed. Like you never see incentive for using Fed and Klingon. You know, with Romulan being its own thing. You know, it's either you got Fed or you don't. You know, and since I have Fed and one of the others, like I'm pretty much always covered because Rom is always paired with Klingon, like always. So. I'd be sad. Let's go with all three. Well, I, I still have trouble recommending to people to build all three epics. I, I did build my D4, but like I said, I haven't done anything with it. It's still a tier tier two, which is worthless. <clears throat> I don't even remember why I built it. I think I built it I built it for an auction. But, no, that couldn't have been it. Maybe I built yeah, it for a faction I, hunt. I think I built mine during military supremacy. I was going to say, maybe I did it for a faction hunt. I, I know it wasn't military supremacy. I might have done it for a faction hunt. Um, but I haven't even gotten to the point where it takes crystal. Nor would I do that because uh, I still haven't finished my faction miners yet, which I do plan on doing. I, I actually had a couple of conversations with a few players this week, and I have determined that 
uh, despite being told it's not really super necessary, I am going to I am going to tier nine all three faction miners. But now once I'm done with that, I can spend crystal anywhere else. But yeah. I'm going to do a, it. Uh, very large undertaking. I've already got two of them to tier eight and one of them to tier seven, so most of it's done. And I've got and I've got. I mean, yeah, it's still probably, but I, it's still probably twenty thousand crystal uncommon. But I mean, really, truthfully, twenty thousand uncommon crystal at ops forty one is probably it's less than six months. I mean, truthfully, I, I probably pick up five six hundred crystal a month. So you know, twenty thousand crystal, three, four or five months, I'll be able to do it. And listen, four or five months is not that does not feel daunting to me. I camped at thirty nine for ten months. So something that's going to take me three or four months, I'm not. I'm not that stressed out about. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do it. Still, though, priority wise, I might. I might. I might potentially put new content in front of the third faction miner. Oh, for sure. If something comes along that needs crystal, but really nothing has. Meridian doesn't use it. The shuttle bay doesn't use it. You know. So um, it, obviously, yeah. If something comes along, I'll totally. I'll totally adopt that. But. There hasn't been anything crystal intensive for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, I literally, I need one component on my Antares and one component on my Cavort, and they're done. It's just that those two components cost a combined total of 12,000 crystal, and I've got three. So 9,000 more crystal, and I'll have two of the miners done. The Cavort, or the, sorry, the Valkyse is going to be the larger undertaking because it's still only a tier seven. So, I mean, it. And, and again, I may just do the two and call it a day. I may leave the Valkyrie exactly where it is. The, the problem with me, the, the moron side of me, is that Romulan was my chosen faction. So obviously I need more ore than anything. And ore is the Valkyrie is the miner that I chose last, which is stupid. Well, you do have a uh, crystal uh, spending source ahead of you, which is all the D3s or Saladins that you're going to scrap for your pylum. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh you're right, but I'm still I'm still a long ways off from that too. That's why I want to get these faction miners done so that I can start working on D3s. Uh because I've built I've maxed and scrapped two Mayflowers and one legionary so far, which is why I've got the common ore. Like Ripper was talking about my common ore earlier. That's why I've got that because I've been scrapping those ships. But you're right, I do not have a very healthy supply of G4 crystal yet. So um, I have to get to the point where I can do a D3. But like I said, 20,000 more crystal. Uh, well, not, it's not quite that either. I think it's like 18,000 more crystal, and I'll be done with the miners. So then I can just dump everything I've got back into, um, back into D3s. And somehow, I don't know how this has happened. I have a huge bank of G3 rare crystal. I don't know how. I guess just nothing really has used it. It's kind of crazy. Uh, hang on. Let me recall this real fast. Uh, let me look in my inventory here because I've got a ton of crystal. And uh, I, I guess maybe Swarm Sunday? I mean, I don't know where it's all come from. Events right. and all that stuff. But I've got a ton. Uh, so do what now? None of your research call for it? I mean, not a whole lot that I've gotten to yet. Like, for example, earlier I was running into the G3 rare. I've got 138 G3 rare, 206 G3 gas. I have 1,843 G3 rare crystal. 1,800! 
and hard. and my and my miners are already tier eight, and and all the components are done. By the way, on the Antares and the and the Cavort, all components are done except for my warp drive component, and that takes uncommon. So I'm already done maxing two miners worth, and I still have eighteen hundred rare. Wow. I don't know where it's all come from. I have no freaking clue. I mean, I guess just I haven't spent it. I don't know. I haven't gotten to, to anything that, that cost it yet. So uh, it, it's crazy. So, yeah, I've got the rare crystal to go ahead and and do even my Valkyries. And I've still got the rare crystal needed for the D3s. It's the uncommon that's going to be my bottleneck. Clyde says, yeah, it's Swarm Sundays. He said the rare crystal keeps piling in. You never use it. Look at DJ Gurf, 4,000 rare crystal. It, it's, it's weird. I've got a ton. Yeah, got that's it. always been the same for me as well. All the rares and, and everything, the gas, crystal and ore. As you say, most of the ships that you're having in those tiers are all uncommon. Yeah. So, like, I need, I need 7,000 crystal for the Antares. I only need 5,000 crystal for the Cavort because it's a Klingon ship, which is awesome. That was an unintended side effect. I did not think that the faction pures would work on surveys, but it does. So, like, when you do Federation pure gas, doesn't help the Antares because it uses crystal. But Klingon pure crystal not only helps your warships, but it also helps the Cavort because it's a Klingon miner. So you get the benefit of Klingon pure crystal on the, uh, on the Cavort. So it only takes 5,000 crystal. Uh, where the Antares takes seven, and that's for the last warp component. So right there is 12,000, and I'll be done with those two miners. And that's uncommon. I'm already done with all the rare. So 12,000, uncommon, I'll be done with those two. And then I can either choose to work on the Valkyries or go ahead and start on D3s. And I might start on D3s because, honestly, I don't usually have three ships out mining at the same time. It's usually two. And I don't have a problem putting Stan on a cavort and sending it to Romulan space. You know what I'm saying? Like that extra little bit of umph isn't going to make or break me. So I may not work on the Valkyries. I may do the Valkyries eventually, but I don't know that it's pressing. I don't know that it's pressing for me to do that right now, especially since, um, especially since I've pretty much been mining with one ship dedicated in dark space. So, um, <laughs> If I leave it out there and I put Tepring on it, it's got 150,000 protected. I do put the Tribble on there. And then right now, I'm using Cadet Scotty because I can't get up there. If I can put on, you know, Barrett or, or Ston or one of those, then it's going to go faster than I'm mining now, and I'm good now. So, I don't Two know if 10. I'll do the Valkyries. Two of ten will work, too, uh, for your uh, G3 and G4 stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I well, I've been using I've been using Dupont mind. too for the <laughs> secondary ship. I've been using Dupont. Okay. But the key, the key is I can get it to that warp seventy five area without Cadet Scotty. That'll be the uh, not warp seventy five, the warp sixty five areas, which is where I'm doing my G four mining. I'm not reloading. I'm warping up. So <clears throat> if I can do that without Cadet Scotty, I'm going to mine faster anyway, regardless of whether or not it's a Valkyrie. You know, just getting a, a second synergy slot there is going to do better for me. Yeah, my, my crystal has been in a funky, or like my minor upgrading has been in a funky situation with that because, you know, well, it's nice to work on my miners to get up there, 
the same time, if I really need to, my discovery can summon my miner right there. Well, I was going to say, I have not had that luxury until now. You know, as soon as I get the next research event, I'm going to finish that. Well, I'm, a, I'm ops 39 at the moment. So. Oh, so you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the tricky thing. It's like from right now, I can get to this. I have a base warp of 60. So 65 with Scotty and 72 with the Scotty combo. And Blokemon points out that I'll absolutely need to do the D3 stuff. And I, I know that. That's why I fully planned on being, you know, I was at 39 for like 10 months. I don't think I'll go quite that slow, but I probably will be at 41 for at least a few months because, yeah, like, look, he just showed Shipyard 41. Uh, takes 60, almost 57,000 common crystal, which, by the way, one scrap won't even give you that. It's going to take two scraps to get up to 57,000. So, um, yeah, it's going to take two D3s just for me to build my shipyard. So I'm going to be here for a little bit. I'll be here for a little bit. Refining for a long time is probably the key. Well, I'm here to tell you, 80 and 115 and 130 common crystal at a time, that that doesn't feel like it's going to chip into that 57,000 either, you know? And I like one of Ripper's comments. He was like, you know, it's so crazy. G4 common is in is more rare than uncommon and requires more so g4 common should be in the events i i don't disagree i think g4 common should be paid out because you need so dang much right now the only mechanic is scrapping that is the only way you can't count on the refinery refinery pays out too little so maybe they should work on bringing common g4 earlier into the game like in terms of progression cycle G4 G4 common needs to be available. First of all, it needs to be available in event rewards uh, starting at Ops 39, but it also needs to scale up in event rewards even through the 40s. Like, you know, I've got an event that gives me uncommon, rare, and even epic crystal, but no common. I mean, how long is it going to need be before I need that epic crystal? But I... I'm going to need hundreds of thousands of common before I can ever get to that point. Yet that's not what's being given. How hard would it be to get them to put common into uh, dealer rewards? That would be nice. It still wouldn't be enough, I can't imagine. You know, I mean, you, you, you're talking, it'd have to be thousand. It'd have to be a thousand or, or thousands per day. Right. You know, if, if an event gives me 147 uncommon crystal, it needs to give me 700 common. You know? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, as far as commons go, I mean, that, that would... I think that would be a good place to put it because it is common and it's not, uh, uh, if it's supposed to be common, it should be readily available. It could also overhaul uh, PVE chests to drop a bunch of more useful materials. Like that. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, the loot table, yeah. Instead of one Klingon credit. Look, all you shouldn't have. Yeah, Boaz, you say let common four-star be latinum, latinum conversion. Buddy, it is stupid expensive. So just for example, it's 10 to 1. 10 Latinum for one common. So that 57000 that's needed for the shipyard would cost half a million Latinum. Insane. And big country is just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, not even big country. Not even big country. I mean, I, I've seen people with a lot of Latin. I think the most I've ever seen is like two or three million lat. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody with more than a couple million. Scott probably has several million 
Fog, Cal. They probably do. I don't know. I'd be curious how much latinum they do actually have, though. Because I'm what, sure they use it. What rate would you say would make you pay left for it? One to one. What what is the conversion? What is the conversion for G three common? I don't remember the last time I was out. <laughs> I'll tell you this: I had to convert G three survey parts for my Meridian. That was more expensive than I remember. Damn, that was more expensive than I remember. I paid. I had no parts, and so I was paying almost two thousand latinum per tier in just parts for my Meridian today when I was tearing it up, or yesterday, whenever I did it, because I didn't have any parts. I used all my parts on my faction miners and didn't have any for the Meridian, so, you know, that, that was expensive. Now, it wasn't bad. I think, like, for example, maybe six or 700 parts might have cost me, like, two or 300 latinum, so, you know, it's not terrible. But, yeah, no, with G4, I'd probably say one-to-one or even two-to-one, but that two-to-one would be max. Max. I really, truthfully, I think one to one would be fair. Fifty thousand lat, fifty thousand lat for the for fifty thousand uncommon or fifty thousand common. I think that should be that would make it more common, you know. Because right now it's right now it's more rare than common. If it's if you're going to call it common, make it make it available. Don't make don't make it a rarity. Yeah. No more irony, please. We got enough of that. We got enough of that in Brooklyn. Yeah, G4 common is, is a struggle. It's like scrapping ships is the only way to progress. Like, that's the only way to do it. So imagine imagine the pain of some of the whales early on in G4 when they weren't getting G3 in anything. Not in rewards, not in packs. There's also one pain for them that, you know, I'll never, I won't have for a long, long time, is that how do they get... G for uh, rare ship parts because no scrapping can get you that. I guess packs. I don't know. Now I've started to see some rare parts in some events now, but early on I'm sure it wasn't a great. You know, it wasn't huge. And we were talking earlier about, for example, the Tribune taking hundreds of thousands of parts. I mean, whoa, you know, damn. That sounds like the rare armada course. You know, funny you say that. To, to this point, they've been out for a month. I still don't have enough cords to take mine to level 40. Not me either. I thought that they would be sourced a little more freely, but they're not. They're pretty tight. I got the 225, which is a little, I got a, a little I got a, half. Yeah, I got 175, just under half. Yeah. And we were, we've been doing those, uh, those armadas, too. Um, I've not been pulling them every day. No. Um, I've not been pulling every day. I, I have kind of gone with what Big Country suggested with the with the uncommon pack. I'm only pulling it when I have the full amount for both chests. So I'm I'm not doing a single chest. I'm doing double. On the plus but, side, it, it did help me get the jail unlocked. Oh, five of ten, you mean? The uh, no jailer. Talking about the spending rare directives. For the, yeah, but that, uh, but that doesn't give you those, the, the DS, uh, the deep space armadas. Yeah, but that doesn't give you that doesn't give you loot. That only comes from the swarm ones. Oh, the swarm so that, ones. I'm sorry. That was uh, yeah. All right. I, I got yeah. So that doesn't that doesn't give you any loot for the for the chest. Right. The deep space ones are the. Well, it does force. give you four thousand hefty rare credits. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> all right. 
you're you're right. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> yeah, got me. <laughs> Seriously, like I think what if they made that uh, eight thousand? Then it'd be worth it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, not when, not when two hundred directives can get you fifty thousand on a forty-one rare if you start it. You know. Mm-hmm. I did that today. <laughs> I, I'll tell you this: I'm not, I'm not starting any in in lower space anymore. I play in them if my team starts them, but the only ones I've really been starting are are high uh, in deep space because of the starter chest. Well, my alliance isn't quite up there, and being able to do that all the everyone, most of them doing it all the time. But our uh, our alliance's level fifty has a level fifty ACC. So Man, that's really nice. The seven, yeah, seven, seven people. <laughs> but you know, argumentatively, that just hurts. That hurts players in the lower space armadas because it just dilutes the payout. You know, it, now you got an extra man in there, so everybody's taking a little bit less loot. But great for uh, events. <laughs> well, great for alliance events. And uh, somebody had mentioned this. I don't remember his name, but he's absolutely right. I, I can't remember. I think it was. I think it was Arrow. Arrow had said that if you can do seven men and now crew doesn't matter anymore because you got the ships to do it, then stack everybody up with loot crews. Um, even even so far as to, uh, you know, take all the, the Armada ability out and do like Jordy with a side of Synergy plus five of ten on the other side and do maximum loot, uh, that would probably overcome and be better even with a seventh man. Because, I mean, let's face it, a seven-man team is not needed for a 38 rare. You know, so if you stack everybody with loot crew, then you could probably do better overall. Yeah, the moment I that, like the call in for the armada, if I know it's going to be a guaranteed win no matter what, I throw in Jordy, Beverly, and uh, five of ten. And my five of ten is like forty percent, so it's like a hundred and five percent bonus, so doubling my loot. Yeah, I'm pretty much doing that for all lower level armadas, thirty nines and down. I'm doing pretty much a loot maximizer crew. Now, if it's a deep space armada, I'm still going with five, uh, five, six, and con. So I'm still getting some loot bonus from five, but I'm not stacking Jordy there because those those are those are packing a pretty good punch. <clears throat> Especially if you know a level thirty-eight or a level thirty-nine starts it. You know, you don't have quite as much firepower there as if a forty-six starts it. So uh, I've I've still been going with a normal crew, like an actual armada crew for the deep space ones. But yeah, thirty-nine uncommon or or a thirty-eight rare. Uh, that's absolutely a Jordy crew right there. Oh, there's Arrow. Arrow, let me see. I, I think I can do this. Hang on. There we go. I just sent it to you. Arrow was the one that turned me on to this this whole idea, and and I'll be daggone if he was right. I I didn't think he was. But I've been I've been using your your tactic arrow a thousand percent right thousand percent. I'm glad glad you could benefit from it. I mean I've been using it since I got Jordy. Yeah, it's genius. And and like I said, I've I've done it just in the in the normal space. I'm not using it yet for for deep space just because like I said those are those are hitting harder. But yeah, thirty nines and down. Um, I even went to a thirty nine epic now. I, I looked first to see who was going, uh, and like you know, big country who's level fifty, and Clyde who's level forty six, 
they were going to the 39 Epic. So I loaded with the Jordy crew for that because I knew we weren't going to lose. You know, now 39 Epic can still be a little tricky for, you know, if you had a bunch of 39s and 40s going to that, you probably still want an actual Armada crew on a 39 Epic. But a 38 Rare and a 39 Uncommon, if you had five Enterprises there all with loot crews, you're still going to kill that thing. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. we're, so we're kind of like, um, my alliance and my service progression, we're kind of in the in between where we can do the beginning of Deep Space if we all crew out correctly and synergize each with each other and stuff. But we can't even run like five, six con type crews to do the Deep Space. We have to run a lot of Leslie Ants for the survivability to get there and stuff. So, yeah. Like, that when I do a deep space level 41 rare, I get 3,500 to 4,500 loot. When I send to a level 38 rare, I do my max loot jellyfish, and I get 15 to 23k loot. Yeah, that's pretty significant. Sorry, Clyde. I, I probably insulted Clyde. He said 46. What? I, are you, you're not a 50 yet, are you? Are you 49 now? I'm sorry. I probably have gotten you confused with somebody else. What is Starn? Is Starn 46 or is he 48? 49. I can't remember now, but sorry, Clyde. Yeah, he says I've been 49 for weeks. Sorry, I, I'm thinking of somebody else. Because we ran a 39 Epic earlier today, and Big was there, and there was a 46. I don't remember who was there, but that was the reason. Uh, because there was a 50 and a 46, then I ran a loot crew, because I knew I my firepower wasn't... Okay, it might have been Obi-Wan. What's Rams? Rams Nation. Uh, now, I'm, now that I think about it, I was thinking maybe it was his call. Actually, I think it was Obi-Wan. I think it was Obi-Wan's uh, epic. He called it, and, uh, and so, yeah, with him and Big there, I knew I wasn't going to be bringing a whole lot of firepower to that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't going to be needed, so I brought a loot crew. Well, I brought a uh, loot crew to a 39 epic just now, but that was only because someone with a Hector called in, so I was like, that Exactly. That. Yeah, if the power is there, then run loot. Yeah, by all means. I got to compete with that, you know? <laughs> I got to do what I can. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's crazy. I, did, I had not really considered that, but after Arrow, you know, called us out on that one show, and then, you know, I started tinkering with it, by golly. And, you know, that's, what's, that's what I love about this show. First of all, I mean, here we are, five hours or six hours in, we still have 100 people in the room. Like, that's crazy. You guys are, you guys are rabies. You guys are rabid. I love it. Thank you. But uh, there's, good, there's good ideas that come in, and people like to share. Uh, I, I've always said, you know, even early on when I started the podcast, there was concern from some of my alliance mates at that time. Like, you know, if we find something good, we should keep it to ourselves. Well, that was never, that was never what this show was supposed to be about. The show was always about making everybody better, making the community better. So Arrow, I appreciate very much that suggestion that you made because I'm using it. It's working for me and I hope a lot of other people do it too because it's, it's, it's massive. Yeah, of course. And it's uh, and it's helping. And you know, listen, if you're a if you're a level 36 and somebody calls a 38 rare, uh I'm here to tell you, you get you get even a bunch of if you had just five enterprises or five augers or a combination thereof on a 38 rare, you're fine. Take loot. You know, take the loot bonus because you, you, the ship power alone is good enough on a 38 rare. If you had five epics, uh, Trek and Chick, his his advice was on uh, armadas, especially in lower space. Uh, so, like, say, 39 uncommons, probably 38 rares. 
Initially, I'm going to say 36 epics. All right, but again, if you if you get an epic with even one, probably 44 plus level player, um, and you can take six men or six players rather, um, his advice was to maximize loot instead of taking a PVP or a, an Armada crew. Rather, his advice was to do uh, Jordy with a single side of double bar synergy and five of 10 on the side. And depending on what your five of 10 is, like say, for example, my five of 10 is a hundred percent because I'm in tier three, uh, right? Isn't that what it is? 60, 80, 100. So my five of 10 is a hundred percent. Jordy is, if I'm not mistaken, Jordy is 40% alone, but then he gets 15%. I can't remember right off. 50 plus 15. 50 plus 15. So you're getting 65 plus 100 from 5 of 10. I'm getting 165% loot bonus. And uh, I will do that now since the G4 chests are so expensive. Loot is now much more important than it used to be. So I'll take a loot crew if I don't think that my Armada crew is going to be necessary. So, for example, uh, in a 38 rare and it's a six-man team, and we've got all epic ships going, well, we're going to take that easily. So there's absolutely no point to have a solid armada crew there. It, it, I'm here to tell you, if you take all six epic ships against a 38 rare, and all of you are running loot crew, yeah, you're going to take a little bit more damage, but it doesn't matter. The damage, the damage at that point is negligible because you're after the loot. So Jordy with, say, Beverly on the side, and... Uh, five of ten on the other side is going to get you at minimum, at minimum, a hundred and five percent loot bonus. It's going to double your loot. Beverly on the side goes a long way too. You Beverly on the side is going to help that mitigation too, especially if you've got a defensive underdeck. So uh, you know, yeah, put put her in your enterprise slot, and uh, you know, so you got a defensive underdeck, and then put Jordy and Beverly and five of ten. Um, it's not the most efficient Armada killing crew, but it's going to pay you the most. And loot is where it's at right now with Armadas, especially if you're a 39-plus level player, or 40-plus level player, rather, uh, because the loot chests are just so daggone expensive. Nothing Better to Do says you can also make more soloing a 37 and 38 than you will doing the 41s. Um, I get that. I, I And I do see some people on my line soloing Armadas. I, I still look at armadas as a team sport you know every every time that i have ever suggested somebody solo an armada somebody has come up with a reason why you shouldn't um so i i do agree that you could probably do pretty well soloing these but at the same time like you can't enforce that if somebody wants to join in you can't x them out you can't get rid of them so i've i've not tried plus i think i think it's a little bit selfish you know because you never know what somebody else may need uh, and, and so I look at it from this perspective, okay, you can spend, and, and this is, this is true, by the way, if you do the math on this too, uh, and I have actually done the math on this, uh, so arrow double check me. I don't think I'm wrong on this. If you start one and you solo it, that's fine. You spent your one, let's use an uncommon, for example, you spent your uncommon directives. All right. You spent a hundred, but now if you bring six, you bring five other people. Okay. And if they each spend 100 directives and you run the same crew, then six armadas, even though it does take longer, 
six armadas, even with the diminished payout, with the loot bonuses, are going to pay you more than just one armada. I, so who, I believe. So who's going to tell them, hey, if you're going to be in my armada, I demand the fee of being in your of you starting an armada. Well, it, that's that's the thing. I'm mathematically, if you run the same crew, but it doesn't need to work out that way. If you've got an alliance that, like for example, my alliance, they love armadas. I mean, I don't know. They're always running them. Whether you know, even sometimes I've gone into chat and be like, guys, there's an armada event coming up this afternoon, and they're like, oh yeah, we know. I mean, they're always running. Okay, I just logged into the game. No lie. Okay, now they're going to make me liars. There's no armadas currently in formation. But nine times out of ten, I can log in, and there's a minimum of two or three armadas of some type. Maybe not normals. Maybe they're muds. Maybe they're swarms, whatever. But, Clyde, you're in my alliance. There is a very high uh, degree of frequency that we log in. There's multiple armadas going on. You know? So... Here's the thing. I don't have to demand a fee or I don't have to be in, you know, let's say Clyde is going to start one. All right. And then I start one. Well, Clyde doesn't have to be in mine and I don't have to be in his. But the point is, if I solo one versus play in a total of six, I'm still going to probably do better. You know what I'm saying? So um, you know, I, I still think that if you now somebody's going to say mathematically, that may not work out because of power distribution and all that stuff. And that, that's true. If you're on the lower side of that power, maybe you don't get more loot doing six of them. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I still feel like the, the number would have to be higher. Although if you look at it from a percentage perspective, it doesn't seem like it would be. But you're also applying your loot bonus six times instead of just once. So I don't know. But again, that's percentage based. I don't know, Arrow. Hell, you should probably check the math. Maybe I'm wrong again. Cool. It, so, like, let's say you have six, five million power ships all equally. If you run six armadas, um, you're all going to get more loot because of the extra box you get. But that's it. The box. Like if, yeah. yeah, if you solo. Like, I mean, soloing's really, really kind of stupid because you're throwing away a box. Get a friend with a Rialta in there. Like, they won't take any of your loot, but they'll get the extra box. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. But, yeah, percentage-wise, let's say you had six ships all exactly equal in power, exactly equal in power, and you run one armada versus six armadas, and all of your crews were focused on loot, aside from the boxes, theoretically, the loot payouts should be the same, right? Yeah. Theoretically, yeah. So, yeah, I guess you could solo them. I don't know. I, my team doesn't do a whole lot of solos. They, they, for the most part, if somebody calls one and somebody wants to join, nobody's told no. What you know? interesting is it's... Like, I could, with the Leslie, like, crew, I could solo, like, a, a Mud Mata, but, like, if another person joined, like, I took it, like, it, we might, I think we failed it, like, once, when I said, I had Leslie plus a non-Leslie, two people against one versus a solo. I have seen that. I, I have scratched my head at the logist, at the logistics of that. I think. There, I, is there, like, a number of players scaling to the stats? I don't think that there's a number of players scaling to the stats, but I do think that, for example, if if Leslie... See, Leslie only works if you're consistently under that 30% or 35%. So if he brings you back up one round and he recharges you to the point 
that you're back above the 30% and then you don't take a shot, then he doesn't proc until the next round, so you don't get that hull growth back. So, crazy enough, when you're diluting the shots, Leslie is less effective because he's not activating in every single round. You know? So, um, I, I think that's the only solution that I can come up with is that Leslie, Leslie is actually outperforming uh, the Armada in the cases where you don't take a shot, and that's going to skip a round of his proc. So don't mess with the rhythm. <laughs> don't mess with the rhythm. That's right. So now, again, Curly Fries, I know that's, that's assuming you get included in all six. What I'm saying is in my alliance, it doesn't matter because my alliance probably runs 100 a day. You know what I'm saying? I can find six to be in. And, and to my argument earlier, I can find more than six to be in. You know, I, my alliance is running them all the time. We've got 84 members, and, and they all freaking love Armadas. <laughs> so, so they're not my most favorite thing in the world. But, you know, hey, the game is kind of moving that direction, and, and the loot is certainly important. You know, um, I, I answered this question a while back, and I'm sure somebody uh, right now from one of my former teams is probably listening because I, I left that alliance. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, just, you know, they were, they were a very active alliance and, and a lot more aggressive. And, and that required more time to be spent in game doing certain tasks. Um, especially over the last probably three months, I've been super busy at work. So I've, I have had less time to be in game. Plus my role with Scopely has expanded. I'm sure you guys have seen it. I'm getting to talk to them more. I'm getting more input. I'm in more meetings. I'm getting more communication. So they're taking more time. So I have a little bit less time in game than I used to. Um, that also being said, there is a point, and I know I've said this in the past, and some people agree and some people don't. There gets to be a point where, where an alliance can better serve your needs as a player. For me, I knew that I was going to be beginning my push into G4. I knew that I was going to be starting my push into the 40s. And... I needed to focus on, you know, the, the, the little time that I was going to have to spend in the game. I needed to focus on things that were going to improve my ability to move forward. And as much as, you know, I might dislike mining, you got to mine a lot, you know. And as much as armadas are not my number one most favorite thing, you got to run a lot of armadas. So joining Biggs Alliance... Uh, was good for me from a progression standpoint because, you know, we don't war typically, so I can do a lot of unhin uh, unhindered mining. And uh, they run Armadas 24 hours a day. Dude, I woke up the other morning just to get up and go pee because I'm an old man. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning. I log in, there's an Armada running, you know? So <laughs> so I, I hopped in one Armada at like 4 o'clock in the morning the other day. There was like six minutes left on the timer. I'm like, oh, I'll be awake for six minutes. So I jumped in an armada. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of armadas, and and now that the normal armadas have regained their importance because of these G4 loots, uh, loot chests. You know, I was already running a lot of mud modas, and that's why I've been able to scrap so many stellas, and why my M number is is over a hundred. So you know, outlaw space remains extremely important. Uh, then. You had ISO mining, but you could arguably do better running some ISO armadas, and they were cheap, so I was running some of those. You know, the Meridian is probably going to effectively, you know, 
I don't know that ISO armadas are going to be very important anymore unless there's an event around them. But, um, you know, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, they're they're not really that important now, you know. So they are uh, useful if you don't have territory. They are useful if you don't have territory. They're also useful if you don't yet have the Meridian. And uh, but once you have a Meridian, and if you're able to get into an alliance with territory, then then that'll be uh, that'll be helpful. Of course, here's the problem: if you're not in territory. Most alliances are not going to let you run their armadas. You're going to have to really fight to be able to do that armada. So, um, you know, there's, there's some pros and cons there. But, but nonetheless, it's interesting, though. Every single thing that's introduced in the game either prioritizes or deprioritizes something else. So, uh, long story short, Big's Alliance has allowed me to, for example, focus on the mining and focus on the PvE and focus on the event progression that I've needed to actually push me to 41 in the span of a couple of months um, and, and allowed me to do what I'm doing as far as pushing towards 42. So, uh, you know, the Alliance serving your needs, and, and that comes back to the Armada point. You know, if you've got an, an Alliance that can do the Armadas and, and be able to run the Armadas to the scale and to the power of which you need and you can run with a loot crew, then that is going to pay better. It's going to pay better. So, and actually, that wasn't my original point. My original point is, I don't have to be in Clyde's armada. Clyde does not have to organize a team of six men, and we do not all have to be in each other's armadas. There's enough of them going around in an, in an alliance that is actively pushing towards that progression. There's enough armadas going on that you don't have to be with that same team. You can probably grab six, eight, 10, 12, 15 a day. And, and let me be clear. The the rares and epics are important, but the uncommons are now more important than they've ever been. All right, so if you see a 39 uncommon, run it. I mean, you guys have seen how many directives I have. That's because I never ran them. And now I've got 12,000 directives. So yeah. I can, I can I run the them all day. My, yeah, I've got I about 9,000. Yeah, run them. <laughs> run them now. Now they actually have value. This is a, yeah. this is a, a case well, point. But the same yeah. thing, same thing as your alliance. Um, our alliance loves the armadas as well. So they're constantly doing them. I, I don't often get a chance to even chuck them in because by the time I get a chance, someone else has already started another one. I'm like, okay, I'll just go to that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens. You know, sometimes. But then, and, and, uh, then an armada know. event happens, and I'm the only one with um, directives. So. <laughs> well, that that can happen, but but like yeah. I said, you know the 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 uncommon directive uh, economy is pretty strong right now. So now I don't think it's going to be that way forever. Uh, I think with these new spawn timers, we're going to see people deplete their stores over the next few months. So it may eventually yeah. slow down, but you know what, for right now, enjoy it, enjoy it, run them, run crazy. Well, yeah. Uh, and the thing is, is by running them is also what helps you get your rare um, directives as well, because you need those for your loot, for your chests. So Truck and Chick has a really interesting question. I'm going to read this. If uh, She says, I'm an Ops 38. Should I start holding my uncommon and rare credits for when I'm Ops 40 plus? That is a genius question, and I'm going to answer it somewhat, um, somewhat vaguely. For the uncommon, yes, I absolutely would. The uncommon level 39 chest offers you nothing that you need anymore. If your ACC is already level 30, well, you're, so you say you're 38. So make sure you have enough tactical cores to go to 39, all right? Um, 
heck, probably make sure you have enough tactical cores. Does does the ACC 40 still take regular cores in addition to rares, or is it only rares? I think it's only rares, isn't it? I think like, isn't it like, both? I would be very shocked at anyone at 38 who does not have the tactical cores to get to 39 at that point. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I would say. So make sure you have enough. Now, you know what? Nothing better to do says, no, max your Epic G3. See, I disagree. I uh, disagree. DJ, yes, go it ahead. It takes uh, 250 regular, 250K regular cores and 400 rare to go from 39 to 40 on the ACC. All right, so make sure you've got enough normal cores, the 250,000. Make sure you've got enough normal cores to, to get to 40, okay? Uh, after that, the uncommon, the uncommon chest, I think, carries very little weight. You well, no, no. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. I believe it or not, I'm still, I, I was going to say rare directives. I'm yeah. still pulling the G3 uncommon chest because of the rare directives. So I'm still doing that. Um, all right, on yeah, the G3 see, for, for a lot of rare people, chest, they would have a lot of they would have a lot of those. See, I've got I can't use mine fast enough. I'm doing more uncommon armadas and can't use the um, credits fast enough. Anyway, I've got I've got six hundred thousand credits. Yeah, <laughs> I got two million. Yeah, so 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 again, I no, I wouldn't hold on the uncommons because they're believe it or not better source for your rare directives. The G three rare chest. Now, I like the payout of the G three rare chest in materials. I do really. Okay, it's a good payout in materials. What I don't like about it is the ship BPs, especially if you are done building your epics. But it's a great payout for very cheap. It's a great payout for rare materials, okay, uh, for rare and uncommon materials. So I would do that. The Epic is the same kind of way. I mean, it, it pays out great as far as materials and faction credits. The, I, I think I'm going to change my answer. Check, no, I would not hold. I would not hold them. Go ahead and, go ahead and run them. You're going to end up with extra BPs. You're going to end up with extra BPs. Now, I don't agree a 1,000% with nothing better suggestion to max your G3 epics before you go to 40. That was not my goal. And not to mention, that's going to cost thousands of rare. Okay, thousands of rare. If I had waited at 39 to max my G3 epics, I would be there for another year. Okay? I was going to max anything because it's always going to be cheaper to max it later. Yeah, I set my goal at tier 8, Chick. All right? I did set my goal at tier 8, but tier 9 is literally like 4,000 more rare, okay? And that's going to take a long time. So um, Tier 8 was still a hefty goal, but I did that because I wanted to be a PvP powerhouse. But to answer your question, no. I don't think that I would stop pulling the G3 Armada chest, especially if you're going to be at 39 for a very, very long time. Just keep pulling them. Get those materials because they pay out great faction credits. They pay out great materials. Uh, you're still getting rare directives. So I, I think I would do that. Okay. I think I'd do that. Now, Chick, you're Ops 38 with a Tier 6 Augur and a Tier 5N. That's great. All right. I see Lockdown is saying, well, go to Tier 6 and then go to Ops 40. That can work for some people, but you know what? If Lockdown is an Ops 40 with a Tier 6 Augur, I'm owning him in every PvP event there is. Okay. Like, without a doubt. Um, I set my goal just a little bit higher, but I think there's side effects. There is side effects of waiting. At camping at 39, Chick, you saw my growth as an account. You saw it. You saw my account a year ago. 
you see my account today. Um, there's some advantages to camping at 39, okay? There's some auctions you're going to win. You're going to win the leaderboards. You're going to win the PvP boards. Um, and so for that reason, I set my goal at Tier 8. The Your goal may be different, and that's okay. You might say Tier 7 because I don't want to wait that long, and that's okay if that's what you decide to do. Um, I set my goal at Tier 8 because I wanted to be a monster going into Ops 40, and I am. So that's why I waited a little bit longer. But lockdown is not wrong. All right, if you want to do it at Tier 6, do it at Tier 6. You'll get there faster, but, you know, you're still going to get owned by players like me who waited a little bit longer. So, and that, by the way, no offense, lockdown. Just, I, I would not have chosen to go to Ops 40 with only a Tier 6 epic. I, I think, I think, but, but, on the other hand, there is a method to lockdowns. Uh, there is a there is a, a madness, if you will, to lockdowns method. Once you hit ops forty, though, if you're a spender, okay, if you're a spender, the packs get just crazy stupid. All right. So if you spend money, then going to ops forty earlier will, I guess, quote unquote, make it cheaper because you'll get a lot of G three. You'll get a lot of rare. You, you will be able to work on those ships faster. But that's only if you're buying packs, okay? So if you're not buying packs, and when I say buying packs, I mean, you guys know, I probably, I, God, don't tell my wife, I probably buy between three and five packs a month, all right? Which is insane when I actually say that out loud. <laughs> and I know Clyde is laughing at me and be like, ha, three to five packs I did last hour. Uh, but no, seriously, that's what I spend. And that's a lot for me, you know? So, so, you know, Trek and chick, you say the only money I spend is $20 a month. You're not going to be a pack buyer. So I would not recommend you push to 40 with a tier five auger. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you're someone who spends two, three, four, five hundred $500 a month, yeah, you could probably go to ops 40 with a tier five auger because you're going to be at tier eight twice as fast as you would have been if you stayed at 39. You see what I'm saying? So. DJ Gurr says, I went to, to 41 with the Tier 5 Epic. Didn't affect me at all. Um, and, again, depending on what DJ Gurr spends, you know, his Epic is going to develop very nicely if he buys packs. So, it probably also it probably also depends on your server as well. DJ Gurr may or may not. He's on Server 8, so I don't know. I don't remember what the climate's like on Server 8, but... You know, if his server climate, you know, if yeah, I was going to say, if if your climate is a little bit more docile and and having a strong warship is not as important, then maybe you can make that push a little sooner. As you guys know, fifteen is is not crazy, but it. I mean, hearing some of your all's ROEs when Big did that show, I sent him a message. I was like, my God, fifteen is the wild, wild west. I mean, anything goes over here. So I need to be prepared to fight at any given time, and I want example, to, uh, and I want to fight effectively. Sorry, at Server Eight, for example, has a gentleman's agreement in dark space where no hits in dark space. Just my mm. near high content. How is my man thing? <laughs> here I am. Here I am bragging about Server Fifteen being the Wild West. My Meridian has two hundred and fifty thousand ISO. I just recalled it. <laughs> Even my Antares was holding about uh, was holding about one hundred and eighty thousand. It's been mining for a while. That's how I'm going to mine it. It's going to be 
I whenever until I remember that I have it out. That's when I'm gonna go for it. Yeah, literally. I just now, I just now thought, oh my god, I better check it real quick. And I look over, and it's got two hundred fifty-one thousand in it. No, two two hundred twenty-six thousand. <coughs> so, yeah. And if I had gotten popped, somebody would have had a good day. But you're right; it wouldn't have taken me a heck of a lot of time to to replace that. But so yeah, there's no. Is there any real metric to tell like when a thirty-nine is like best ready to go to forty? I think you know to to summarize Chick's question. I I don't know that there is a true metric. Like I said, I set some personal goals, um, and and I I've crazy enough. I've had a lot of people ask me what those goals were. Maybe I should do a video or something about it. My goals were aggressive though, which is why I was at thirty nine for ten months. All right, my goals were aggressive. I wanted tier eight epics two. I wanted my I wanted my uh, auger and my enterprise both at a naked tier eight. I wanted enough raw steel, titanium, and dilithium to build straight to forty one without using tokens. I wanted to max and scrap one Mayflower and one Legionary, which gave me enough G four common to go to forty one. I wanted all the research that I did actually want maxed out for my level. And by the way, that's not saying that my research is maxed. Obviously, you guys saw earlier today, there's some research that I chose to skip. All right. But the research that I wanted, let me be clear on what that was. My outlaw tree was completely maxed for Ops 39 with two exceptions. I did not do all of the parts bartering research. Uh, because I don't need it for Interceptor, uh, and I didn't need it for Battleships. I didn't do a whole lot of parts bartering research, and I did not do plutonium bartering research, which is stupid. All right? Um, all the research and building efficiencies, all the Stella, all the critical hit, I, that tree was completely maxed for me, with the exception of the parts researches, because those were not important to me at Ops 39. Now, they're important now, so I'm going to have to go back and pick them up. But that was not part of my criteria to go to 41. Um, so outlaw tree, completely maxed. Territory tree, completely maxed for my ops level. With the exception of the tier 1, 2, and 3 isogen extraction. I did, not, uh, I did not focus on those. And again, chose to skip on maxing out the bartering research. So I did not do all the parts research because that, again, wasn't important to me at 39. But the territory tree, completely maxed for Ops 39. Um, of course, away teams just came out. So I didn't factor that really into a lot of my decision making. But obviously, I did make a push in that tree. For station, combat, and galaxy, a lot of that research was already done um, what, what I wanted to do out of it was already done, you know, by the time I went to 40, I didn't make it a conscious effort to go through and pick up a lot of that stuff. Cause a lot of it was done, but for the most part, a lot of the station combat and galaxy tree were maxed for my level. There were a few that I didn't do. I didn't do a bunch of warehouse <clears throat> or protection researches, but the researches that I wanted to do, I, I maxed those out. So I didn't put a huge emphasis on there, but I wanted the researches that I wanted, I wanted them maxed for my level. So I did that. 
So Max had scrapped the Mayflower and Legionary. Max, my research. I wanted Tier 8 Epics. Uh, I wanted all the raw resources. <clears throat> um, as I've been sharing this plan with a couple of people, a lot of people liked those metrics. They uh, have told me that they would have added a couple of things. One, they would have made sure that you had the jellyfish. Not necessarily tiered it up, but at least had the jellyfish before going to 40. Um, not exactly sure why that was on their list, but, yeah, I mean, who cares? It's their list, okay? So they had to have the jellyfish before they went to Ops 40, which I did. So I can't consider that to be a part or not a part of my decision because I had my jellyfish early. Um, and not to mention, it's been very good. Nothing better since the jelly is a great ship for deep space entry. I, I agree. I use my jellyfish every day. So jellyfish is important. And then, of course, they also said have a Frank A, which is a no-brainer. You must have your Frank A before going to 40. So um, <clears throat> those were the key requirements that I think most people had agreed with and came up with. Now, again, some of you are going to argue on the tier of your epic. Some of you did it at tier 5 or tier 6 or whatnot. I, again, just being on a server that likes to fight a lot, I wanted to have good fighting ships, so I, I held out just a little bit. That being said, that was my list, Truck and Chick, and uh, a lot of people have asked me about my list. I, I'm, it's been very interesting to me how many people have been uh, curious about what my requirements were before I decided to finally pull the trigger, because I camped for 10 months. Why, DJ, did you stay there for 10 months? Well, this is what I wanted to accomplish. This is what I wanted to do. And I don't regret it. I mean, the payouts at 40 and 41 are really good. Don't get me wrong. The event payouts are shockingly good. They surprised me. I knew that people said they were good. I didn't realize how good. They're very good. So there is an argument that could be made against my camping idea, which is... The payouts are really good, and it probably will cut down the amount of time that you need to accomplish all of my tasks at, you know, say, 40 as compared to, to 39. All right. That being said, the payouts are excellent and very good. The packs are very good if you're a spender. Um, so those arguments could be made for fast-tracking your push to 40 because the reward payouts are, are just, they've blown my mind. I know some of the upper-level 40 players are probably chuckling at me, but they have blown my mind. But isn't the other side of the scale all those officers who are no longer weighing the auction score? Exactly. Well, you know, t during 10 months, I mean, look at, look at my officer carousel. I've got, everybody, I've got everybody who's been released except for data. I don't have data yet, I, and, but I've got 80 out of 100 shards. I'm really close. I'm hoping he's in Riker Week's store because I'm going to – I'll probably work on either him or Beverly Crusher. But um, I don't have data. Really, for the most part, I've got every other officer. I have acquired every other officer somehow, be it event stores, be it auctions, be it whatever. I've got them all. So, I mean, you, you, can, you can dominate your bracket. And I guess that's the thing is, is for the tier of your ship, that comes down to your server, really. You, only you can gauge how much competition you've got on your server. So for some people like my server, I could probably get away with going to tier five at tier six on my epic because the competition is not as extreme. Yeah, you're a lower population server and 15 is very yeah. busy. Very, very yeah. busy. So, um, you know, again, is there an actual solid metric? No, I don't think there is, but there are some things you can do to make yourself better. 
And, and again, even though the rewards are great, I still don't regret it. I don't regret it because I had a great time at 39. Uh, I was there for a long time. I won a lot of stuff. I got used to being at the top of my dog pile, truck and chick. Uh, it's very, <laughs> it's very lonely down here at the bottom again in the 40 plus bracket. I'm at the bottom. So a little tougher. Now you, now you understand why I was so grumpy with you when you said to push the forties down to the 39. <laughs> I, I talked about that <laughs> earlier today. Actually, I, I quoted you on that, uh, getting mad at me for saying that because yeah, uh, I used the example of like the fifth graders rolling the playground until they merged the sixth grade into the elementary school. So, um, yeah. And, and I, I said that the 39s have ruled the roost for so long. Like it would be a really tough adjustment for them to, to no longer do that. If you put forties and 41s back in their bracket, fortunately, uh, Scopely has kind of solved the problem in making 40 to 42 or 40 to 41 kind of their own bracket now, which is nice uh, because, you know, even in this event, the solo, the crew or the rescue, the crew I was in, it was uh 40 to 42. I think Ripper told me and I scored third place. I was still able to hold my own. Now guys, let me tell you, if you go into a 40 to 42 bracket with a tier five Epic, you're not going to do well in a PvP event, you know, unless, I guess, unless your server is, is slower, you know, and not, not well-developed, you know, what, uh, that's a wrong way to say it. <laughs> not well-developed as in, you know, maybe not quite as mature, not as many spenders, <laughs> you know, not, not, as, not as many spenders or not enough time for, for people to free-to-play get to Tier 7, Tier 8, Tier 9 of their epics, you know. So, um, you know, I came into a 40 to 42 bracket, as a as a very fresh player, my research for all intents and purposes is still forty one is still thirty nine. I haven't had time to go through and do a bunch of researches, you know. So my research is essentially still ops thirty nine, and uh, and I came in with my same ships, a tier eight epic, and I did very very well in my PvP event. So I'm very pleased with that. Now, if I had to have competed with ops forty five, I would have gotten the smackdown it would have been a very bad time for me so scopely may hopefully be considering keeping 40 to 41 or 40 to 42 in their own bracket moving forward which would be great that way the 39s can still have their heyday and uh now the 40s and 41s don't have to get beat around by uh tier 10 calvins you know which is which is a good thing so i'm kind of glad that they've made that adjustment there, there was the conversation, though, Chick, uh, about 40s in the 39 bracket earlier again today that at least, let's say, now PvP a little bit different, obviously, but not wildly because most of us aren't using the Jellyfish to PvP. Uh, we're still using the G3 Epics that you guys have had access to since tier, you know, since level 34. So there wouldn't be a lot of change there. Plus, on auctions, this is what I was complaining about earlier today, I can't find anything to spend Uncommon on. Everything at Ops 40 takes common, which doesn't score in the event. So uh, it, it could be argued that I probably have no advantages over a 39 when it comes to an auction because all of my research, all my buildings, everything takes G4 common. It doesn't score any points. I was actually looking for something earlier today to upgrade that cost uncommon because I don't have anything. It's all common. So, anywho. Oh, fun times. Signs, signs that you're too addicted to this game when you can talk on the phone for seven hours 
about a video game. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's been a, a chilled out conversation, so. And not even play it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've only logged in to unload my ISO miner a couple of times. That's about it. Matter of fact, I'm shocked. I looked a second ago. I've had a Vidar idle in board space since I left the house. Like, if you guys may remember, I was killing Borg while I was on YouTube. Well, I sent a ship, and then I decided to wrap up, so I never killed those hostiles. It's been sitting idle in Borg this entire time. Now, just FYI, please, nobody go and kill it if you're listening, because that would burn a cell. But uh, it's been sitting in, idle in Borg this entire night. When I get home, if it's still there, I'm going to go ahead and kill some Borgs, and that way I didn't waste the cell. Yeah, I might have spent more time today talking about the game than actually playing. <laughs> uh, sometimes that's better. The interaction, well, it's been good for the fun, something the working, so <laughs> same amount of rewards. <laughs> yes, yeah, same amount of rewards. Uh, you know, somebody, somebody is probably going to say somebody like Captain Bull, who spends a lot of time in his car. He's probably going to love it. He's going to be like, "Oh, there's extra content. This is great." Yeah, you know, some some people are going to like that, but other people are going to be like, "Yeah, I listened to all that. F that." This is what we call gold content. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you know we we tried the gold thing for a while. Honestly, you you know what's crazy? Most of most of the gold content never got downloaded. That's why we went back and made it public. I think I told you guys this. Like the gold content, first of all, most of the gold patrons usually would participate. So the download rate on the gold content was like thirty or forty downloads. It was not even worth gating it. At least now, like it's available to the public. So people can download it and listen to it. They might find something good in it. But, yeah, gating content. Gee, Scopely, here's what we learned. <laughs> Putting content well, behind like, a paywall. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't care. We didn't care. We were paying for it anyway. So we'd pay you whether we had content or not. So, Well, yeah, you know, funny enough, you know, you look, when we decided to make the gold content free, nobody canceled. And our patron list bigger than ever. So, hey, Scopely. DJ, you could have afforded to keep it to gold patron only if you had like $100 packs on the side to keep things going. Yeah, maybe, maybe I should start selling $100 packs. You're right. For 200 actually, Yeah, we have actually considered, we have actually considered this. A special uh, gold member competition. We, uh, Snake Eyes has presented to me an idea about keeping gold here on the podcast but uh starting a new type of subscription or a new gold just for youtube and the only reason that i have kind of pushed back on that a little bit is because for so long we've listed all of our gold patrons on our youtube videos you know uh but he wants to he wants to maybe start a new a new gold because and listen he's got a he's got a fair point our viewership on YouTube is crazy enough, even though it's newer. I guess it's just the platform of YouTube, plus it's shorter videos and things like that. But we've got five times as many viewers on YouTube. So a lot of people who watch on YouTube never come to the podcast. So they are never exposed to the patron program. So if we launch a subscription service on the YouTube, then we're hitting five times as many people. Now, obviously, we would never expect anybody to do both like if you're gold on the podcast then you know don't go and do youtube too that no that's i mean unless <laughs> yeah that's right that's right that would be the platinum level 
the uh, the superstar diamond status. Uh, but no, a, he uh, he thinks that we're missing five times as many potential patrons because we're not pushing it on YouTube. And he's probably right. Listen, Snake Eyes has has done amazing things with this show. The size and success of this show are probably more him than anything else. Like, I mean, I can come in, I can talk, I can teach, I can come up with content and stuff, but he's the business. He's the, he's the, he's the producer behind it all. He's done very, very well. So I've, I've learned not to really argue with him about, about stuff. That's why, like I say, we can't upload a six-hour podcast. He's going to veto that immediately. But those are, those are things that I've learned to trust him on. So as a matter of fact, he wanted me today to do Twitch instead of YouTube. He said, I think it's time for us to start doing Twitch stuff. And I said, you know what? I'm cool with that, but I want to get to the 5K subs first. And he said, okay. So once we get to 5K on YouTube, then we'll probably start streaming on Twitch a little bit more and using YouTube for most of our produced stuff. Because Twitch, apparently, according to him, Twitch is a lot more friendly when it comes to streaming and even the monetization. Like, they take their fees are a lot less and all this stuff. So, I don't know. Well, it's literally meant for playing video games. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, he, he wants us to start looking at that. And I said, that's cool. Let's get to 5K subs first, and then we can do it. He said, okay. So, if he wants to do a subscription service on YouTube, I'm going to say go for it. Don't bother me, none. There's less hassles there, too. Like, you can play your music and stuff. Man, I don't know about that. Uh, Rev was telling me that he has actually been uh, fighting Twitch a lot more than he used to. Apparently, like, all the major music labels and all that stuff, I mean, their focus has been on YouTube. But as Twitch has gotten bigger, they're starting to watch that for copyright stuff. Rev says that he's, he's... been having more and more copyright struggles with Twitch lately than he ever has before. My license doesn't cover video. Um, oh, no. by the way, so you want to hear something crazy? I think I explained this on a podcast. I may not have. I don't remember. Do you guys remember when I told you that Spotify had actually removed two or three of my episodes because Universal Music filed a copyright infringement claim? Uh, did, did I Have I told you guys this story? Yes, I don't think Yeah. Yeah, so Universal Music is the only record label that has paid me any attention here so far. But uh, they filed a claim claim with Spotify, and Spotify took down, like, I think it was like, it ended up being like four or five episodes. They took them down. Um, So I communicated not only with ASCAP and BMI, but also directly with Universal. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm almost sure that somebody in in this podcast chat was the one that told me about it. Uh, Snake Eyes did a bunch of research on it too because podcasts are, are considered on demand and they can be played as many times as somebody wants on demand the record labels have the legal right to bypass ASCAP and BMI like ASCAP and BMI are, are meant to be like non-on demand so like business listening or radio or streaming etc uh, etc et right so basically, you don't get to play back or you can't choose what you want to hear. I just play it because podcasts are on demand and their song can be played one time or 100,000 times. Then they require an additional license. And Universal Music said, hey, listen, you know, we know you're doing this for fun. We'll cut you a break. 
you know, we want to try to work with you and we want you to use our music, but at the same time, like, it's a different license. Do you know how much that license was, Stevens Aaron? $150. Oh, yeah, that was going to be my guess. About 150 bucks. On, yeah. Per song. Whoa. Oh, ouch, per Whoa. Song. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I thinking, oh yeah, hundred fifty bucks like a year or something. I was like, no. I pay. I, I pay ASCAP three hundred dollars a year. I pay BMI three hundred dollars a year. That's okay. Wow. All right, so I'm paying yeah. six hundred dollars yeah. a year. But as I found out from Universal, ASCAP and BMI really don't truthfully fully protect me. If every record label decided they wanted to come after me, I'd have to pull everything. Because podcasts are on okay. demand, and their licenses mm. are different. So ASCAP and BMI are covering me for streaming, audio only. As a matter of fact, based on this information, I actually thought about canceling all of it. I thought about it because, listen, if, if Universal Music can still come and take down my stuff, what's the point of having ASCAP and BMI? You know? They can take it down because a podcast is considered on demand, and it requires a different license. And they license it per song. $150 a song. And they told me they were cutting me a break. <laughs> wow. Ouch. So, but here's the thing. If Universal does it, so can anybody else. Yeah. So, I, I decided I'm not going to change anything other than I'm not going to play Universal music for right now. Uh, but if a bunch of labels start coming after us, then we may have to eventually just pull the music, which I hate. It's a central part of the show, but a key feature anyway. Maybe not central, but I like the feature. My argument was at least there's a direct metric. You know, it's different if I put it on CD and sold you guys CDs, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, every time it's downloaded, so they know how many times a song is listened to. You know, and, uh, you know, even if they wanted to charge me like five or ten cents each, you know, for each download. Uh, or something like that, but even that would end up being ridiculously priced because our down, you know, our downloads are in the thousands. So, um, yeah, they, you know, they cut me a break, and it was still one hundred and fifty dollars per song. So we just decided can't play Universal Music anymore. But you know what? It's only a matter of time before the other labels come after us too. So, and why did it take Universal so long? It's because our podcast has hit a level of downloads that now is gaining attention. We've got a hundred. 50,000 some downloads now so now I guess and I don't know how they found it I don't know if, if they have people that just listen or if bots do it but if I would I would imagine if bots did it they would have caught it long before now you know it wasn't until we hit a certain size that they started making their claims and they claimed like five episodes all in a row Too popular. so if you go back if you go back and look at Spotify there's there's five episodes missing. Sorry, you'll have to listen to them somewhere else. <laughs> Should we be celebrating or dreading five thousand subscribers? <laughs> well, on YouTube, on YouTube, it don't matter, you know, because I don't put music on YouTube. But but now, I, so what I've done, like for example, um, iTunes, iTunes still remains one of the better ones. I know people, some people don't like Apple. But iTunes remains one of the best platforms to put the podcast on because they provide, uh, like, with my license, they're somehow supplementing. Like, I'm covered. That's why Universal couldn't take it down off iTunes. They only took it down off Spotify. 
So even those same episodes are still licensed or, or supposedly still covered on iTunes, but Spotify has taken them down. So because they 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 had to, they were they were issued, you know, a notice or whatever. So they had to take it down. Doesn't YouTube have a blanket license too, or no? I have no there's, idea. There's tons of YouTubers that that do um, movie reviews and TV reviews, and and they all use clips from shows and stuff. I know, and so there's got to be some type of license. Maybe they're a verified account or whatever. There's got to be something that they do to not get flagged on that stuff. But uh, I know anytime that we've ever put anything on at all, we're getting flagged. So weird. I don't understand it all. But after a two-week back-and-forth argument with Universal Music, I understand it a little bit better. <clears throat> And like I said, I'm pretty sure I'm covered with Universal on platforms like iTunes. But Spotify doesn't uh, doesn't have the same type of agreement, I guess. So we were flagged there. You just got to overlay the ep- the songs with like a little jingle that says, like, lawyers suck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you know, my argument was I'm not even playing it for music. Like, I'm talking over it. It's a commercial return, but they didn't care. They were like, you're using the song, so... Guys, uh, I guess that's going to probably about do it. Thank you guys so very much for hanging out. DJs Go 7 Hours is a success, and we'll get with Looter. Uh, If you count the YouTube and then, you know, the content in the car, it's been a crazy long day, but a lot of fun. Crazy enough, despite an arc that doesn't have a great deal of groundbreaking content. You know, nothing really to teach on, but we've had good conversations about all general areas of the game, and I want to thank everybody for listening. If you have been listening to this in podcast form, you know, it was broken up a couple of, couple of, couple of segments there, but want to thank everybody for tuning in and enjoying the uh, community conversation and the town hall. And, and I want to thank all the guests today, all the contributors and everybody who had questions, everybody who joined our stage and uh, participated in the conversation. It was an absolute blast. So I want to thank you guys all for that. My name is Ultimate DJs. This has been Talking in Cars with DJs, uh, a subset of the Talking Trek podcast. Visit our website at TalkingTrekSTFC.online. That's TalkingTrekSTFC.online, where you can find links to all of our other podcasts, our YouTube channel, our merchandise store, our Amazon link, and, of course, our patron program. I would like to thank all of those patrons from the bottom of my heart. Thank you guys so much for financially contributing to the show and keeping the lights on around here. Thank you guys so very, very much. My name is Ultimate DJs uh, saying meow for now. We'll catch you on the next one. Love you, mean it. See you later. Bye-bye.